right, well, praise Jesus. What's up, family? My name is Alan. I uh, do a few things here. Thank you. I uh, do a few things here at Whitewater, and I am beyond honored to be sharing the Word of God with you on this special day. Uh, first off, could we just give it up for all our new folks in the building and online? Y'all could have been anywhere else Sunday morning, but you chose to be here with us, and that is awesome. So thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, but look, you came at a really exciting time because today is Easter part two, the journey begins, aka all in baptism Sunday. Because how many know your journey as a believer doesn't end at baptism, that's actually where it begins. So if you've been Googling this guy named Jesus lately, or if you've got a friend or family member that's been talking to you all about him, well, and you know in your heart you believe that this guy really is who he says he is, then we're going to give you an opportunity to take action with that newfound belief today. And um, we'll talk about that in a second. Now, for us uh, seasoned churchgoers, we know that services like this are a big deal, right? And uh, getting baptized is a heavy responsibility. Committing your whole life to someone is pretty serious. Can all my married folks confirm this? Hey, <laughs> amen. And because it's such a big deal, some of y'all are saying, well, if this is so serious, then where's David? Where's John? Oh, my friends, <laughs> to be honest, I'm asking the same thing. Why the heck am I up here? There's two of them. There's no way we bo they both bailed. That means we got to rewind this whole two-year succession thing. And I know some of y'all don't want that. But look, I get it. I'm not your lead pastor. And for a long time, we got used to baptism Sundays being led by and taught by the senior guy, the boss, the CEO, the master chief. But every time somebody tried to elevate Jesus, Jesus lowered himself. And because your leaders at Whitewater follow in the footsteps of Christ, they lower themselves too. Because the holy man on stage or the altar shouldn't be the only ones talking about the gospel message or baptism. Jesus instructed all of us, all of us, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't just instructing his disciples, he was talking to you and me. You don't have to be ordained in order to proclaim. And if you think about it, if Jesus was the only one allowed to spread the gospel, then we'd have no Christianity. <laughs> we'd have no faith. We'd have no church. And we wouldn't be the same people we are today. So yes, it's a little different that your senior pastors aren't here to teach this message. But like John said earlier, get used to different. So today, my job isn't to convince uh, you to get baptized. Jesus We'll do a way better job at that than I ever could. In fact, I don't want you coming up here to get baptized because you see your friends doing up, doing, uh, your friends doing it. I don't want you getting in the water because the worship band is setting up a sweet baptizy vibe. <laughs> you definitely shouldn't get baptized if someone else is wanting you to. And I especially don't want you getting baptized because it checks off another religious box. But please hear me though. I'm not trying to deter you from getting in the water. I just want all of us to understand the commitment that comes along with it. We, we got to think about it like this, okay? This ring does not fully represent my relationship with my wife. Sarah and I's marriage is a daily act that includes sacrifice, love, and commitment. The ring is just a symbol. I mean, it means nothing if Sarah and I are not acting on our vows together. You know, like marriage, baptism is a union. 
In marriage, you unite with your spouse. In baptism, you're uniting with Christ. But this ring, though, is a, is a good reminder, right, of our love and devotion together as husband and wife. But it's also a good deterrent. Y'all know what I'm trying to say? Like some girl comes up to me like, uh-uh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. This ship has sailed. Take him. Take him. But I leave it on because it shows other people that, that I've got someone in my life who comes first. Baptism's the same thing. It's an outward sign of an inward commitment. God is saying, okay, so you believe and love me, right? Then put a ring on it, baby. So everybody get out your notebooks and protractors. We're going to school to learn about baptism. And I'm not going to try to be fancy. I just want us to look into scripture and to learn about it together. And I said this last time I was up here. I like when we all interact with each other. So, so anytime God starts speaking to you during our time, you can go ahead and say stuff like, come on. Or hallelujah. Or something we established last time I preached. Uh, preach it. Asian man, yep, okay. All right, all right. I stepped into that, you know what I mean? I just have to own it. So today, we're gonna learn about baptism through Jesus' baptism because there is no better example, amen? All right, let's turn our Bibles over to Matthew 3, 11 through 17. John the Baptist says this, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who's greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. So John the Baptist says, I baptize with water. What's the big deal about water? We know based on daily life what water does. You know, when you drink cold water on a hot day in July, it refreshes you. When you've been working all day in the garage or a garden, you go back inside, run your hands under the water, it cleans you. Hot showers, heck yeah. Afterwards, you feel like a brand new person. God has always used water as a way to refresh to purify and start over new. I mean, we see this in the Bible. For example, when our ancestors Adam and Eve disobeyed God, their disobedience introduced sin, pain, evil, suffering, and darkness into the world. But being the good dad that he is, God tried to clean up all our messes with a massive flood where the whole world was underwater. Who's ever felt like dousing their teenager with water? With a fire hose? Like, dude, deodorant. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so that's where we get the story of Noah's Ark. In Moses' day, when they set, up, they set up laws where you couldn't enter the temple or even be in the presence of God unless you were ritually cleansed. 
For example, in Leviticus 22, verse 6, it says, The man who is defiled in any of these ways will remain unclean until evening. He may not eat from the sacred offerings until he has bathed himself in water. And there are like tons of verses like this in the Old Testament where an individual had to be washed, dipped, or immersed. Somebody say immersed. In water before approaching any place of worship. It's like if this place, y'all had bathrooms right in front of the door so you can get bathed first and then you can come in. It's crazy. It's really serious. And listen, uh, it led to various cleansing rituals. And now there's another word in Greek that means to immerse. That word is baptizo which has all sorts of other meanings that go along with it. It's, it means to submerge, to overwhelm, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself and bathe. So if you didn't guess it yet, the word baptizo is where we get the English transliteration of baptism. Hey. So it's a lot of facts, I know. But based on that and the fact that John is also calling people to repent, and repent literally means just to turn, and we can't just turn to anything because how many know when we turn to, uh, to things, we start to turn to things like relationship and alcohol and sex, whatever. John is saying when you turn, turn to God. He's using the ritual of immersion to get people cleansed and ready because soon God will be in their presence, whether they like it or not, in the human form of Jesus. So John explains his cousin Jesus like this. Someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now that statement about the Holy, and, Holy Spirit and fire is twofold, okay? One, it points to a future event where Jesus will leave earth after his resurrection. Y'all, we just celebrated Easter last week. And so he leaves earth after his resurrection and then the apostles and the other believers will all gather together, and this will happen in Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames, or tongues of fire, appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus immersed his followers with the Holy Spirit to help them continue the mission of spreading the good news. Now, there's a second meaning. The second meaning of that statement comes from the illustration that John gave uh, about um, Jesus coming in with a winnowing fork and separating the chaff from the wheat. Does anybody know what the heck he's talking about? What's a winnowing fork? All right, listen, to save time, um, I'm going to summarize this ancient, clever agricultural technique with this amazing, highly advanced cough drop. <laughs> All right. So the winnowing fork is basically a pitchfork used to toss wheat in the air and to separate the grain from the chaff. Now, the grain is the part of the plant that's useful. That's the part that makes the bread. That gives life. The chaff is the worthless outer shell. It's just the wrapper. And because it's useless, it's tossed into the fire and burned. But the grain, yeah, that's where we want to be. Some of us have decided to shed the wrapper of sin off early in our lives, with baptism being the first step. And then some of us have been wrapped up in our sin for so long that it's difficult to take off and it sticks to our skin. And, and even when we try to peel off our temptations, our depression, our negativity, it still sticks to us. Today, 
you have a chance to leave the old behind and start fresh. You have the chance to be the kind of grain that Jesus can use. Now, let's turn our focus to Jesus. So while John was talking about water, fire, and forks, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River with the sole purpose of getting baptized. Does anybody know how far Galilee is from the Jordan River? Let's get some guesses. Let's get some guesses. Oh, yeah, somebody said 60. That's right. And since there were no uh, Uber drivers or automated scooters back then, I'm assuming Jesus walked the whole way. He had sandals because there were no running shoes back then. Y'all, why would he do that? Well, because only the important things in our lives get our most time and energy. I dare say that Jesus walked those 60 miles for this very moment in 2022. For every church offering water baptism right now, for the very people in this room, for whoever's watching online, for whoever's listening right now, he walked those 60 miles for you. He didn't need to get baptized. He's the son of God. But he needed to exemplify the true meaning of sacrificial love, going out of his way to show the importance of baptism to us 2,000 years later. 60 miles. Jesus, he didn't need to get immersed in water to get clean. He's there to make us clean. Jesus himself is our cleansing ritual. He is God's second flood. He is living water. Even John the Baptist recognized this. And I totally see where John's coming from. You know, that's why, that's why John tried to talk him out of getting baptized. It's, it's, like, um, it's, a, it's like if I go to LeBron or to Michael Jordan and be like, yo, let me see that basketball. I'll, uh, I'll show you how to dribble. Or Whitney Houston, I'll be like, I'll show you how to hit that down. Uh, and I, you know what I'm trying to say? Because, but here's the thing. This is what it shows me. It shows how humble our God is. How humble our king is. It shows how humble Jesus is. He's both lion and lamb. He's king and servant. He's both divine and human. He's the, kind of, he's the kind of leader that doesn't tell you to do his laundry because he does it for you. He's the kind of king that doesn't sit in his castle while his soldiers are at war. He's on the front lines fighting with them, supporting them, and dying for them. Is anybody else glad that we have a humble God? John tries to talk Jesus out of baptism. Man, I can't help but feel that there are some of us right now who are trying to talk ourselves out of baptism, even though we hear Jesus calling us to it. And as someone who's experienced years of ignoring Jesus, I want to address some of these barriers that I've asked myself. And there's four of them. So the first one, why do I need to get baptized? Doesn't God know my heart already? Well, let me put it like this. If your parents never told anyone about you and denied you existed, would you feel loved? If you consider someone your best friend, but they only ever hang out with you at your house and they ignore you everywhere else, is that real friendship? If you kept your marriage inside the walls of your home, never telling anybody, it's just between the two of you, is that love? Do you know what they call a romantic relationship that's kept secret? An affair. When you tell other people you love someone publicly, it shows that you love them in every situation, every circumstance, and in every scene of your life, you are not ashamed to love that person. Baptism is an open declaration for you to say publicly, I love my heavenly dad and I know that he loves me too. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 10, 32, verse 33. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, 
I will also deny before my Father in heaven. So you're right. God does know your heart already. He knows you're keeping him hush-hush. And that's not a relationship. That's a secret. It's not enough for you to just believe in Jesus in your head. It has to drop into your heart. There's always corresponding action to love. Inner work manifests into an outward expression. But I don't want us to stop there, okay? Because Jesus also says in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Please hear me. Getting baptized does not, getting you, uh, does not get you into heaven. It's the follow-up that does. Even if you get baptized today, but you never actually get to know Jesus, he says in verse 23, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Getting baptized is you saying God's grace and God's love is too good to keep to myself. And I can't wait to start a relationship with Jesus. So right now, if you feel the need to acknowledge God as your Lord publicly, think of the water as your microphone. Number two, I was baptized as a baby. Do I need to do it again? So when I was about five months old, I was baptized in a Catholic church in Chicago. My mom had me all dressed up. All my family was there. And the priest poured water on me with something that looked like a gravy boat. So I was basically a Thanksgiving turkey. Look, I understand the purpose, and I thank God that my family cared enough about me to set up a baptism. But out of all the great theological debates about babies being baptized, the one thing we can be sure about is that it is never the baby's decision to follow Jesus. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into. Your family, my mom, all had great intentions, but it was their decision, not mine and not yours. We never read anything in Scripture about infants being immersed. And just because a baby is baptized doesn't mean they're going to grow up loving Jesus. Now, part of my story is that I left the Catholic faith when I was 18. Not because uh, my family didn't attend, uh, attend church regularly. Not because I hated going to Catholic school. But because I didn't know God. Not really. I knew how to pray the Hail Mary. I knew the act of contrition. I knew the right words to say in confession. But I didn't know how to talk to God. I wasn't in a relationship with Jesus. There are people who can know about Jesus, the Bible character, and not Christ, the risen Savior. There are all sorts of Christians in the world who think that Christ died in a story and don't know that he's alive right now. As a person who can make logical decisions for themselves, you need to ask, if I believe in this guy named Jesus, and he's actually who he says he is, and Jesus is calling me right now in this moment, what am I going to do about it? Number three. I made the decision to get baptized before, but now I feel like I should do it again. Well, look, if you're getting a gut punch from the Holy Spirit and feeling the need to rededicate your life to Jesus, I say, go for it, man. Just know what's not required. Biblically, there's no record of anyone getting baptized again and again until the Christian is just sticks. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, if I got baptized again, then I'll wake up early, I'll read my Bible, then I'll listen to Christian podcasts, then I'll forgive Karen at work. No, no, that's, that's not how it works. But if today you finally understand the true commitment and the responsibility of being a Jesus follower and want to come back home to dad, come back home to your heavenly father, then heck yeah, we're going to celebrate with you. Number four, I need my life together first before I get baptized. 
You know, we say this often here, but you don't get cleaned up to take a bath. You take a bath to get cleaned up. Yeah. You know, all the things that make us feel dirty, drug addictions, marital problems, childhood trauma, depression, pride, jealousy, financial worries, anxiety, loneliness, family drama, pornography, sexual immorality, these are things that you take in the water with you. Consider this as the first step in your relationship with Jesus, learning how to take all of these battles and offering it to God. Romans 6.4 says it like this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was risen from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Somebody say new lives. lives. Yeah, it feels good. When you get out of that water after committing yourself fully to Jesus, you leave your old life without him behind. And now you get to live a new life with him. That means you get a God who provides for you, who heals you, who helps you grow a disciple, who makes disciples to change the world around them. You're no longer carrying the burdens of life alone. Jesus teaches you how to find rest even in the thickest of storms. You've got a partner now. Look, I want to park here for a second because I think this trips a lot of people up. There are folks here in this room watching online and all over the world who can attest to you that before they were baptized, they weren't just broken, they were dismantled. Don't believe the lie that people in church are perfect, they're not. And if you've got a congregation full of people saying they are, then we're doing church wrong and God can see it. Man, look. Look, Jesus says healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Real talk, I'm not on fire for Jesus because I was a healthy person. I stand before you as someone who has felt unworthy of God's love all his life. Before Jesus, before Jesus, I was a porn addict, a consistent liar who was a thief at one point, who cheated on his first wife, and who's divorced. In my sickness, Jesus offered me salvation. What's your sickness? Because if we're honest with ourselves as human beings, we've all got one, or two, or three, or 15. You can't tell me that Jesus doesn't save people. There's evidence all over this room. Personally, I've tried everything and everyone. The only person to save me from darkness was Christ alone. And if he could do it for me, he could do it for you. He could do it for you. Now, Jesus, man, he didn't have any of these barriers. He just had a family member who respected him too much. I wish I had that. So even, that, even though, though, John is right by saying, look, cousin, why are you coming to me? I should be baptized by you. Jesus responds with, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Baptism is ordained by him. Let's go back to Matthew 28, 19. Okay, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Somebody say baptizing them. Baptizing. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Y'all notice he could have said anything else in that statement, right? Uh, go and make disciples of all nations and create buildings and call them churches. Go and make disciples of all nations and be careful of anyone named Judas. <laughs> this, this is Jesus' goodbye message to his friends, his last instruction as a teacher. It was important enough for him to single it out specifically. He said, y'all need to baptize people. <laughs> He's calling us to get baptized as a first step of obedience 
We should baptize our friends, our coworkers, our family members, our neighbors, and help them grow into disciples who makes disciples. If some of you in this room believe in Jesus and are feeling that pull in your gut, just know it ain't that coffee cake from Starbucks you got this morning. It's the Holy Spirit stirring in you. If Jesus is calling you right now, man, I, I think it's time to carry out what God requires. So John baptizes Jesus, saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the name of the Holy Spirit, and you. <laughs> After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Something that most people don't talk about is what happens after baptism. Well, it's just like any other relationship, right? What happens after you decide to be friends with somebody? You get to know them. What happens after you decide to marry someone? Well, you learn about them as your husband and wife. After you get baptized, you get to know God. You open up. You let God in, he will let you in. Tangibly, that means reading the Bible. It's called God's word for a reason. Let the Bible be the table where you and God can sit and talk. Just have a conversation with God, that's it. Then I encourage you to be bold with asking older, wiser followers of Jesus what it means to be committed to him. Build relationships, get into communities. There's, all over, there's communities all over here at Whitewater and groups where people are trying to follow God's word. Most importantly, let's get this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Your first few years of following Jesus will be tough because the world has different messages, let me tell you. For example, social media tells us we need more followers to be loved when Jesus tells you that you just need to follow him to know love. Trust me, when you get in relationship with God, you'll start to know his voice. Our key scripture says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Last Easter was an all-in baptism Sunday, and if you weren't here, you missed out on a sweet party. Kids, students, young adults, and adults were crowded around this baptistry like a crowded rock concert. That's why there's space there right now, because of last year. The worship team was hype. We were worshiping and dancing and yelling as people were accepting Christ into their hearts. Do you want to know why? Because if it brings God great joy, you better believe we're going to party here today. It brings him great joy. So we're gonna do that right now. So if you're worried about getting your clothes wet, don't be, we've got clothes and towels in the back. If you're worried about getting your hair wet, it's a small price to pay for following Jesus. If you're worried about people watching, that's the point. If you're worried about friends and family not being here to watch, tell them to get their butts over here or share the YouTube link where this is being live streamed right now. Most importantly, if you're sitting here worried about other people's opinions, I just wanna ask you, when it comes to making one of the most important decisions of your life, whose opinion ultimately matters? People's or God's? And even, thank you, even after everything, even after everything I said about the seriousness of baptism, all that kind of stuff, the commitment, the relationship, even after all that, you still want to get in that water? Then your journey of life transformation starts today. Your relationship with Jesus starts today. And I just want to say I am so proud of you. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to continue to move into this awesome time. Heavenly Father, we ask for your spirit to just move in this place.
to continue to move in this place. It's already been moving, Heavenly Father. Father God, I ask you to, to go into the hearts of the people who are looking for a relationship with you. Have them, have them be bold. Have them be confident. Give them the confidence and the boldness to step on up and get in the water. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We ask you for your, for your glory. We ask you for your light. And we ask you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So as the worship band fills the space with songs from heaven, you can come up to celebrate with us. And if you want to get baptized, head on over to this side of the stage, and I will meet you in the water.